This podcast is intended for mature audiences. Listener discretion is advised. We understand that some of our opinions will not be shared with many people and hope you can still bear with us in order to hear amazing Wisconsin-based stories. We are not licensed therapists or able to give legal advice by any means. Our show notes will provide all of our source materials included for each episode. Now Now on on to to the the show. Welcome back to All the Sins of Wisconsin. This is Fallon, and I am here with Mims. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm great, too. You look super cute. Oh, thank you. I think it's the hat. I think so? Yeah. I, re- I look really good in hats for some reason. I think you I You really do. Right? Yeah. I think my head is just, like, built for a hat for some reason, um, but I, like, rarely wear them. I don't know why. It's, like, real sexy vibe. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. Okay, so we have a few things to talk about. Should we start with the negative people or the positive things? Let's start with positive. Okay. So, we were just at the um, Dark Horror and History Convention in Champaign, Illinois. Um, we were invited by Brian, who was amazing. Um, we met so many amazing people. We did. It was cool. Mm-hmm. We uh, met some other podcasters. Um, what was that? Southern Gothic. Mm-hmm. Um, and we met uh, our true crime. Or no, our, our podcast? Right. I forgot which one it was. I think it was our true crime podcast. It was something like that. Two women who were amazing, um, really friendly. Um, yeah, like great community vibes. Yeah. Like- this is what you need to do to grow. And yeah. Yeah. Just lovely lots, people. Yeah. Lots of love from the people visiting, the other people that have booths there. Yeah. The hotel was beautiful. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Our food was good. It was so, the whole experience all the way around was amazing. So it was, good. it was a good experience for us. Um, a kind of some weird moments when some guy who was dressed <laughs> up as, uh, I don't even know what, like some sort of demented doctor yeah. put like a, I don't know, like a little saw up against my neck and I did not uh, foresee the, the force that he was going to do with that. So I was very <laughs> scared. And then on top of that, Fallon was taking my picture <laughs> and I was just not having any of it. So that was... Yeah, we asked him if he would pose for a picture and he... <laughs> decided he should grab his saw out and act like he was going to chop your head off. Yeah, but it actually kind of hurt. Not, not like it hurt, but like it was pr- like he grabbed my neck and he, he like... He was a little forceful. He was a little forceful and I was like not expecting that and um, so that got me really sweaty and I'm talking <laughs> about it and I'm getting sweaty now. So... Um, and then do you want to talk about that guy that like just ran up on you and was like amazed <laughs> by looking at your face? Cause that was, that was so weird. But I love when people look at me like that. <laughs> yeah. 
oh, I'm sure you loved it, but for, for me it being was an really al- weird, yeah, though. It was super weird. Now he's probably gonna listen and be like, she thinks I'm weird. Oh, well, we don't mean any disrespect, but you, like, ran up on her. He just ran up to me and said, what do you do? Yeah, and I he was, was just staring at me. Hardcore staring. Like, I was in the middle of taking her <laughs> balance picture, and... Uh, he basically, like, stood in front of me and just looked at her and was like, what do you do? And then when you tried to talk, he just looked at you like, bitch, why are you here? Did not want me involved (laughs) whatsoever. I could have been, like, roadkill and he wouldn't have, like, cared. No. We took a picture together. (laughs) Yeah, that was... Oh, and then he... I took a picture with any weird people that asked me to. People asked to take pictures with you and I would just kind of like, I'll be here. God. Um, but overall, fun. Yeah. I got a lovely soap. Oh, and earrings. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, definitely something that we enjoy doing. And if you have a convention, please invite us because we would love to be there. Yeah. I love meeting new people, even if they look like they want to kidnap me. Yeah. Put me in their basement for life. <laughs> yeah. I think that was slightly the vibe, but I'm glad that that didn't happen. <laughs> Yeah, or they had to run to the demented doctor guy and yes. get the saw and have him saw the guy's head off. He would have helped. He was kind of like, we had like an inside joke kind of where he would like pop up randomly and yeah. I would pretend to be scared. <laughs> and that was the inside joke. It was fun. So we had a connection for sure. Yeah. Um. So that was great. Um. We can move on to our more negative things that we want to talk about okay so if you guys follow us on social media Mm -hmm. we have a guy that hates us supposedly well it started off as an obsession for you yeah so that's what i was gonna say he's been making negative comments and i wasn't seeing them because oh yeah i have had him blocked on all social media since like 2018 2019 right it's been an ongoing thing we met in a professional capacity some years right. ago, mm-hmm. and he had started following me on all my social media pages back then and making, like, really weird, inappropriate comments because I was married at the time, and he was just, like, commenting on my appearance um, all the time and just, even when I would be like, mm, I don't like this, this is inappropriate, like, it's just ongoing and eventually... I just blocked him on everything, so I was incredibly uncomfortable with the situation. Right. And then when I left the job and he didn't have any way to contact me anymore, I thought that the situation was over. Mm-hmm. As you should have thought. So then you were telling me about these comments, and I'm like, I can't see these comments. I don't know what's going on. Like, Facebook is broken. Yeah. I don't know what's going on. And then you shared the screenshot. Yeah. And I was like, oh, my God. Yeah. And he was specifically coming for you and not so much me. It was, it was us that we sucked and that mostly you, um, I'm not even going to, you know, go into whatever he said because it's nonsense, but it's just the, like, he really goes out of his way and it's really creepy. Yeah, and I think he's probably still friends with my ex-boss that also, like, hates me and bashes me on social media on a regular basis. Yeah. When I quit my employment there three years ago. Mm-hmm. And this all stemmed from a post that we shared. It was a repost of um, basically how 
we as women, I'm going to sum it up, but we as women are, are more aware of our surroundings and have to be and how it was like a, a girl not wanting to go down a flight of stairs um, because there's no cameras um, into the apartment building basement or whatever. Mm-hmm. And um, she was telling that to a man and the man was like, what? What are you talking about? And it's just basically saying like, well, men don't have to be as concerned as right. women. We're hyper vigilant of our surroundings at all times because... yeah. We have to be. We have to be. Yeah. There's we, many men that have bad intentions for women. That doesn't yeah. mean all of them. We don't hate men. We no. love you guys. Yeah, we love men. I mean, the good I'm, ones. Yeah, the good ones. I'm I mean, married to a man, a lovely man, and, you know, right. I have a lot of lovely men in my life. And yeah. it's just, I don't like the, the men that are, pose a threat to me. And that's right. completely justified. Yeah. And that doesn't mean we don't think some women are trash, too. Right. There's it, trash people of all... Races, genders, sexualities. Yeah. It's not exclusive. No. Just trash this people. Pe- this specific post had to do with men, and yeah. he was very upset because I feel like it applied to him. Right. And, <laughs> it, you know, it <laughs> is what it, it is. escalated. Yeah, it, it really did escalate. Like but thanks, one of Mike. Yeah, Mike. <laughs> he's one of, like, our super fans who we love yes. and came to our defense, and we are hypothetically going to have him as our spiritual bodyguard (laughs) um, because he came to our defense on that and was just going back and forth with this weird guy for us um, to the point where we really didn't have to like lift a finger against this guy. So, well, the great thing for me is I didn't see any of it. I was just getting like tidbits from you. So I was so confused. Right. Right. And I'm just like getting blown up because of all the back and forth and I'm just like loving it. On my end. I can't see anything. Our page looks quiet to me <laughs> and you're getting a thousand notifications. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So, um, so the moral of the story is we don't post anything as a direct attack on anybody. Like, when right. we post something, it is not with an intention of singling anybody out. Right. Um, it is just... You know, a lot of them are already posts that we just repost and think that that kind of goes along with the lines of what we say on our podcast. Right. And when we say things sarcastically, like, about we hate certain places or certain things, it's not, like, we hate you because you live in this city and we no. don't prefer this city. Right. Everyone has places they prefer to be and don't yeah. prefer to be. Right. And it's just preference. freaking opinion. Yeah. It's just an opinion. It's just an opinion. Yeah. And, you know, everybody has one. And I one. don't like filtering what I say. And no, we're not going to. <laughs> just flat out, we're not going to. So right. we're here for a good time and it's our good time. So it is what it is. Yeah. And if you don't like it, you have every right to just turn us off. Yeah. You don't have to tell us how much we suck. You could just not listen to or us. Or you could, but I'm not going to like be like, oh, I'm so sorry. But I love it if you think we suck and you still listen every week so you can tell us how much we suck. I do love that too. So if you're one of the people that have been hating on us or stalking us. Right. I mean, keep doing what you're doing, I guess. Just live your best life. Oh, we forgot to talk about, I said, how do I keep attracting people like this? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I said... I said something really clever. I said, <laughs> oh, I, I totally lost it. I totally lost it. If you attract one, you oh, attract them all. Yes. If you attract <laughs> one, you attract everybody. Yeah. Everybody and every anybody. And that's just how life goes. 
Yeah, you can't just be like my super attraction vibes that I'm putting out yep. for everything in the universe. Yeah. I'm trying to attract abundance, not crazy men. Well. But the crazy men keep going. Yes, they do. They do. I don't know what it is, my perfume. I think it's just you're such a, a great person that everybody wants to be by you wants to be uh, a part of your life and sometimes you're going to get the the bad with the good yeah the people that want me in their basement yeah and we're gonna avoid that (laughs) they wouldn't like me if they got me and i never shut the fuck up yeah and you'd be like (laughs) you're not doing this right You're definitely not doing this right. <laughs> and Mims is talking about you on our podcast and right now. she will now. find you. <laughs> okay, one more thing. Okay. We have our raffle going on. Oh, yes. Our center winner raffle um, that we will be announcing a winner on September 10th. Um, so I made a, another post, or I'm sorry, we did. Um, and you have to go on there. You have to like the post. You have to com. You have to tag somebody in the comments of who you know a true crime listener. And um, what was it? What was it? Oh, you have to follow us on Facebook and Instagram. So, um, once we uh this the tenth comes around, we will announce who wins it. Um, we will give you a free keychain with our pretty faces and a free pair of headphones. Yes. And I think that's about it. We we <laughs> rambled for about 13 minutes, so. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> I'll make my story not super long. Okay. you're super long. Um, I mean. <laughs> like, yes, it usually is. It's, yeah, I know, right? I'm, like, notorious for the long ones. But it's really interesting, so um, please hang in there. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We're worth it. So today I am discussing the August 5th, 1982 homicide of Barbara Nelson in the town of Albion, Wisconsin. And my sources are danesheriff.com, wisconsinhomicide.com, channel3000.com, fox6now.com, and True Crime Diary, and Web Sleuths. So, Barbara Nelson was a 34-year-old married mother of a 3-year-old in 1982. On August 5th, she was working alone at a convenience store called the Mini Stop and Shop in Albion, which Albion is near Edgerton, if anybody knows where that is. Mm, No, I don't think so. It's kind of... I have no idea. (laughs) (laughs) Like that you're going to pretend that you knew... (laughs) say like somewhere by madison because it's dane county ish oh okay but oh well we'll run with it general vicinity sure it's in that corner of the state middle i have no idea (laughs) yeah we just don't know (laughs) so while she was working she disappeared from the convenience store okay that's sketch so scary Mm mm-hmm And five days later, her body was found on August 10th, 1982, in a cornfield on Bray Road, which is three miles east of Elkhorn, Wisconsin. And that's about 40 to 45 miles southeast of Albion, where she had began her day at the gas station. Oh, wow. And if you guys remember, we talked about Bray Road before because there's the Beast of Bray Road. Yeah, that was ringing some bells for me. Yeah, I was like, this is interesting. Things overlap so much. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So Barbara had been shot twice 
She was beaten in the face and in the head. But there's some questions. There's so many questions. <laughs> okay. There's <laughs> nothing but questions. <laughs> she was taken, but and she was found five days later. But she was seen with two people the day after her murder. So we're going to get into all that. Okay. But nobody knows where she was the night that the killers took her. So they took her, but they didn't dispose of her or murder her until the next day. So that means that these killers, it was only a 40-minute drive in between the two places. So they had to have stayed somewhere. They held her. Yeah, they held her somewhere, either at a hotel, they had a house in the area. Right. Or they just stayed in their truck in the woods. Mm -hmm. But they had to stay somewhere. So to me, that sounds like somebody that's familiar with the area. Yeah, for sure. Because otherwise, why would you be comfortable just staying somewhere? Right. And... Okay. So this murder is still unsolved, if you didn't guess already, since I'm the one talking about it. (laughs) (laughs) There are a lot of people of interest in this case. Okay. There's 10. There's currently 10 persons of interest. 10. Yes. Wow. And... There has been DNA that has been matched from, I don't know, the gas station scene, the scene of the crime, but they have narrowed it down to 10 people. I'm sure. they've been trying to narrow it down further, but they haven't gotten down any further than these 10 people. I'm sure the gas station didn't help with how many people go in and out of it. Right. And detectives have been struggling to find new leads in the case for years, like back in 2000. 11 2015 they're saying we just don't have any leads we haven't had any leads in so long so then they released photos that had been taken at the time of her murder they released photos that showed um a vest that she had been dressed in when they found her and they think it was the killer's vest it was like a green like army fatigue kind of vest okay which apparently was very popular in the late 70s okay so, originally when I was reading it, they said a green vest. I was thinking, like, the lime green gas station vest. Like, if you go out... No. It was, no. It was not that. No. It was, like, an army vest. And so, she was still wearing her undergarments and then the vest. Okay. But she had not been sexually assaulted. Okay. Yeah. This I'm is telling you, there's nothing questions. but questions. Questions and questions. Yeah. And then her shoes... And a jack stand were found at a separate location about three miles from where her body was found. And then later they recovered what they believe was her blouse at a different location. It almost seems like they it was like attempted, but it couldn't it didn't go through. That could be. Right. I hadn't thought about that. Yeah, like I mean she kept fighting and they're just like fuck it and killed her. Right, or or like the they thought they would be able or I'm assuming they Yeah, there's there's two people. They don't know who, yeah, there's two. They know there's two people. They haven't determined who the two people were, but there was two people. Okay, so I'm I'm assuming that they, in theory, thought, okay, we'll snatch a girl, we'll do whatever to her, but then maybe in the moment they couldn't perform. Oh, that's true. I mean, that's high intensity, a lot of stress, and sometimes the body doesn't react the way you want it to. That's a really good point. Thank you. I hadn't thought about that. I was like, this doesn't make any damn sense to me. 
no damn sense no sense like this is stupid yeah whoever did this is stupid yeah it could have been that it could have been a whole maybe somebody passed by and they're like oh shit i gotta make this quick i don't know there are witnesses okay see there you go yeah you're really good at oh thank you you're calling (laughs) in addition to that vest being found at the scene they also found up a found a balled up blue t-shirt the kind that has one pocket on it that was balled up near her head. And this shirt had strange bleach stains on it. So the people on Web Sleuths were like, well, did they have a job where they were using bleach? Or other people said they probably used it to clean up the blood in the truck. That's why they left it mm. there with her. That's the route I would go because there's a lot of bleach on it. Oh, yeah. So I think they bleached out the truck, wiped it up with a t-shirt, and threw the t-shirt with her. Right. So they didn't have any evidence in the car with them. That makes more sense than somebody walking around with a bleach-soaked... Just random bleach stains t-shirt. on your shirt. Yeah. I mean, it was the seven, oh, beginning 80s, but... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who knows what the style was? Right. I don't know. At least six witnesses saw the suspect driving away from the convenience store and or near the cornfield where she was found. Six people. Mm -hmm. Damn. And they described the truck as a blue or green Studebaker-like truck, which was built in the 60s or 70s. Okay. And authorities have been discussing their frustration with not being able to find the truck. The truck is very obvious when you look at it. And not that many people had them. There's, like, a lot of different Studebaker clubs and stuff like that. So they've been researching all of this stuff, trying to, like, narrow down who had this truck. But one of the detectives said it seemed like the truck just came out of a black hole, kidnapped her, and then went back into the hole because nobody's ever seen it again. That is so bizarre. Isn't it? But they believe that somebody has to know who owns the truck. Yeah, absolutely. They have, in addition to searching the local area, like, they just drive around and look and see if they found the truck. And they also search the DMV records, but they haven't had any luck trying to find it. But there's people that came to the gas station and saw the truck first parked down the street from the gas station, then parked at the gas station. And um, a teenage girl had went there to get something, and she saw one of the men standing outside of the truck, mm-hmm. and she eventually gave the description. And then another witness says he went to get gas at about 5.40 that night, and Barbara came to the door and said that they were out of gas. Hmm. And when she came to the door, there was a man with dirty-looking, shoulder-length brown hair standing behind her. So I think they're already in the process of robbing her. Mm-hmm. So she just went to the door and said, we don't have any gas. Mm-hmm. So the man would leave. So then he left. And then the next day, another witness who was a teacher reported seeing the suspected truck on Bray Road parked alongside the road, but facing her. And she saw a shorter person getting shoved into the truck, a man get into the driver's seat and another man get into the back of the truck. The truck then did a U-turn and parked on the other side of Bray Road. This part's going to irritate you. What the hell? She didn't want to get involved. No! Get involved! She didn't report it until after she found out Barbara's body had been found. Oh, jeez. I'm sure she feels bad now, but... Well, what good does that do? You guys, you can, like, not physically get involved, but call for help. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Make a scene. Yep. Like, 
you could drive past like blowing your horn yep. or something go yeah. to the nearest neighbor's house because yep. it was 1982 but in 2022 you can just call 911 right yeah they might think you're insane but, but you might save someone exactly exactly i'd rather be wrong i would rather act like a fool mm-hmm. if it prevents somebody from disappearing and getting murdered right so on the day of Barbara's disappearance, she was not supposed to be working. Oh. She was supposed to be at home canning beans. <laughs> My heart. <laughs> so that leads me to believe like she wasn't specifically targeted at all. Okay. So we have some possible suspects, which are kind of dumb. Okay. To be honest. <laughs> <laughs> One of them one of them might be okay. Luigi Ernesto Aiello. How do you say that? Hold on. Aiello. Okay. You can do that because <laughs> you can't say it like that. <laughs> All right. They said he might be a good suspect in this case because he matches the description. And Luigi was also convicted of murdering the sheriff's nephew and another victim in Kenosha in 1987. He had been residing in Kenosha for quite some time and could have been driving through the Elkhorn area to get home to Kenosha. In addition to the Kenosha murders, him and a different partner committed multiple murders in Arizona and California. So he was a serial killer who was known to be in the area and liked to kill people with a partner. Oh, yeah. I mean, I would definitely look at that person. Yeah. So he he could possibly be a suspect. And this is the one that I think is dumb because his name gets thrown into like every 1970 or 80 murder. Okay. Case. Larry Dwayne Hall and his brother Gary Hall. Mm. They always they killed a lot of people in the Midwest, well a lot of women in the Midwest. So whenever a crime is unsolved, they're like maybe it was Larry Dwayne Hall. Right. But it doesn't fit his MO or anything. I don't think it's a viable lead, but I'm saying it because people keep talking about it. Right. There was $355 in cash missing from the register, along with a stack of credit card slips and traveler's checks, which makes it seem like the initial motive for the crime was robbery. Mm-hmm. But from everything I can gather, I can't understand how the situation escalated or why it escalated. Right. Um, maybe they were sketched out that they saw, or she saw their faces? Maybe. But... So, like, you could just take the... It's $355. You could have taken the money, yeah. went home, let her go home. Yeah. And everything would have been fine. Right. Yeah. It's very it's not senseless. not even that much money. No. For somebody to lose their lives over... Uh, her life over that, that's... Yeah, incredibly leave her, sad. Leave her child without a mother and her husband without his wife. Mm. Like, he's still, and her husband's still mad that this hasn't been solved, and I don't yeah, blame him. Absolutely. I would be too. Yeah, because it's just crazy. Yeah, you just go to work and you never come home. See, this is why I don't leave the house. <laughs> I absolutely. This is why I have guns. Yeah, this is why I have guns. <laughs> I have dogs. I don't leave the home. So you really gotta want me <laughs> to come get me. Unfortunately, stalkers usually come to your home. Oh, Jesus Christ. In case you guys don't have enough anxiety. Yeah. 
But if anyone has any information about this case, the Walworth County and Dane County Sheriff's Department are working together to solve the murder, and they're still looking for additional tips and leads. They are calling it an unresolved case. That's what Dane County calls their unsolved murders, not unresolved. Unresolved. I mean, kind of same. It's the same thing. Like a (laughs) rebrand. Oh, man. I was like, "Hmm, I don't know how I feel about this. We need answers. I mean... I mean, we got answers to one of the cases I talked about this year. We need answers. You know, we can just keep talking. Yeah. Somebody's going to say something. Especially it happened in 1982. That's 40 years ago. Mm -hmm. They're probably getting ready to die soon. So just confess before you die, please. Yeah. I mean, what do you got to lose at this point if you're on your deathbed? On your deathbed. Just tell us what you did. Yeah. Okay. I'm sure they're listening. (laughs) (laughs) good i'm I'm glad you're bringing another unsolved to lights (laughs) i mean you you have to you got to do it for the both of us because i like to stay away from them and i am obsessed you're obsessed yes but it's good this is a good team though because you do the ones i don't want to talk about really which are important right but and i do the ones that are gruesome that you are like "Eh." yeah and, and the I, kid the, ones. The kid do. ones are kid terrible. Ones. Yep. I know. But that's why we're a good team. Yep. Balance. Balance. Are you ready for a bad one? No. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, well, I'm going to do it anyways. <laughs> okay, so this is the story of Richard Masek, a.k.a. the Mad Biter. Oh, my God. Yes. What a name. So my sources are from a two Prezi's presentations, the Chicago Reader, Ancient Faces, Newspapers.com, Reddit, Fandom, uh, and this amazing book called My Life Among the Serial Killers by Dr. Helen Morrison and Harold Goldberg. So, um, Richard Otto Masek was born in McHenry, Illinois in 1948. And you may be thinking two things. Um, why are we talking about an Illinois man on a Wisconsin-based podcast? And why is there no exact birth date? Um, well, sometimes bad people migrate to mm-hmm. different states, and that is what this guy did. Um, he made his way to Wisconsin. And after thoroughly researching this man, for some reason, I could just not find his birth month and day which is kind of weird because i he's pretty well known right but records were kind of sketchy back in the day yeah so don't have that but i have the year so that's something uh he grew up in chicago which makes me depressed because that's my hometown and he grew up with an abusive father which most have traced back to why he started behaving so badly at such a young age he was arrested for stealing neighbors' panties from clotheslines and practicing some weird habits on them. Ew. He would steal them and then chew on their on the part of where the crotch was. Chew on them? Chew on them. What um, the fuck? <laughs> yeah. And then okay. relieve himself into them. Oh. When he was interviewed by Dr. Helen Morrison, he relayed to her that it wasn't for sexual pleasure which to me is a little bit confusing because you're having a sexual release in them. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but it was more due to just simply enjoying the feel and smell of the cotton fabric in the crotch area. There's cotton fabric on t-shirts. Okay. Thank you for bringing that up. <laughs> so he simply liked the feel of a delicate cotton panty and nothing else else could really live up to that type of feel. And he stated not even a t-shirt. Oh. And, well, I guess, I don't know if it's different, but cotton panties may be softer because it is, a you know, going on your private areas and that's like a delicate area rather than a t-shirt. But I don't think that there would be much of a difference. I think he just likes the fact that it was around a woman's body. I would think so. In that area. And in 1966, when he was 18 years old, he was also arrested due to peeping into other people's homes. He would use a telescope to look into unsuspecting, unsuspecting women's bedrooms at night. So this man was shaping up to be a real sexual predator. Yeah. So, like I previously mentioned before, Richard made his way to Wisconsin. Apparently, we attract these types of people. There's a lot of places to hide in the trees. Yeah. On August 16th, 1974, at the age of 26, he migrated to Fontana, Wisconsin, which is very close to Lake Geneva and has always been a small village. Um, And to this day, there's only about a thousand people there. I've never heard of it. Yeah. Um, so now it's, like, part of Lake Geneva. Okay. Um, so that's how small it is. He found himself standing in front of the Abbey Hotel Resort and saw one of the housekeepers, 24-year-old Paula Atkins Cuppet. Paula was born on June 2nd, 1950 in Stevens Point, Wisconsin. She was a hard worker. She had this cleaning job, and she also worked at the Lullaby Furniture Store. She was newly married and basically just starting her life as a flourishing adult. I mean, she's 24. Right. Um, Richard literally walked into the hotel, walked down some halls, and was also peering into different rooms trying to find her. And then he found Paula in a room cleaning and stood there um, just watching her. See? I hate yeah. it. so creepy and we have nightmares. Yeah. Um, so then nerves overtook him and he actually walked away. However, he ended up coming back into the room, and he was still very nervous around her. He started sweating, and he spent a lie that he had lost his son. So Paula was a really nice uh, young lady, and she offered to help look for him. And Richard then switched to his actual agenda. He wouldn't let her leave and restricted her from leaving by blocking her and just basically shut the door on her after a while. Weirdly enough, he whispered to her, quote, that's all right, that's all right, you don't have to worry, it's all all right. Ew. End quote. It's then, not all right. No, it was, it was not all right. Then he touched her on her breast and then decided he would start beating her and escalated to stabbing her in the heart. But that wasn't her undoing. He took a hotel towel and strangled her. Once he fully incapacitated her and she was slipping into death, he started gnawing and biting at her battered body. Uh, I really don't understand what would possess somebody to do that, but that so was... fucking weird. <laughs> you should see the way Fallon's <laughs> looking at me. I'm so disgusted. Yeah. So two months after Richard had brutally murdered Paula, he was out on the prowl again. 
He relocated to Wauwatosa, Wisconsin, which is a suburb of Milwaukee, and was staying at another hotel. He was really into housekeepers, apparently. Hmm. And he preyed upon 24-year-old Sharon Kalisic. Kalisic. However, he did not attack her while she was cleaning. He cornered her in a laundromat. Uh, this time he raped Sharon and beat her so badly that she fell into a coma for seven days due to hitting her over the head with uh, an unknown object. This woman is a true badass as she survived her brutal attack and even helped police uh, by giving a description of Richard. Oh, wow. So after this attack, Richard fled back to Crystal Lake, Illinois, but him fleeing wasn't in like repentance or like a act of reprieve. It was just to flee the scene and then continue to do horrible things. So that very, that very same year of 1974, he encountered 26 year old Nancy Lossman and her three year old daughter, Lisa. Um, not much was reported on how he came across these two and details surrounding what had happened. But we do know is that Richard was in her apartment and he ended up strangling Nancy with one of those Venetian drape cords um, and then turned to baby angel Lisa and drowned her in the toilet and stuffed towels in the toilet with her. Oh my God. Nancy had a young son that was sleeping in another room that he left unscathed and unharmed. Mm. After examining Nancy's body, there was bite marks where they were found on her breasts and evidence of sexual assault post-mortem. So he raped her when she was deceased. On September 12, 1972, in Carroll Stream, Illinois, Sally Candle, a young 14-year-old girl who was wearing a windbreaker jacket and slacks, was walking down the road with her bike. Richard was driving around and stopped to go pee in the woods that was right next to where he was driving. And he spotted Sally and struck up a conversation with her. And then all of a sudden, when she looked comfortable, he hit her on the back of her head with a black grocery cart handlebar and then took this poor girl into a cornfield, brutally beat her and continuously attacked her and severely injured her head. She finally was still laying on her back and Richard then bit her on the side of her thigh. Sally Candle then was left for dead. However, this evil man did not claim her life, thankfully. Oh, wow. Sally's mur- or attempted murder was pinned on another man by the name of Richard My- Mylon. I'm going to say Mylon. Who ended up convicted and sentenced to 90 to 175 years at the Menard Penitentiary in Chester, Illinois. Oh my God. He was a low-level warehouse worker just trying to make ends meet every day. He never had any serious run-ins with the law, just minor things. And at that time of the murder, or I'm sorry, attempted murder, he was cleaning out his car to sell, um, which was a red flag to authorities, which was the first one. Mm-hmm. Um, his second one was his alibi that he gave didn't add up. So okay. police was like, nope, that's not what had happened. Um, and then thirdly, 
he did have that same grocery cart handle. That why are we running around grocery street? Grocery cart handles. I'm very confused. He was using that as protection. Um, okay. So then he actually discarded that um, days before, and he threw oh. it in the cornfield. Oh, okay. So this man spent 20 years in prison for a crime he did not commit and was finally freed in 1994. It's unfortunate that law enforcement suspected Richard. However, the other Richard was the one who was convicted. And his co-workers testified that he had seen him with the grocery cart handlebar, and under that suspicion, it proved to be enough to convict him. Wow. It is true that there was no motive to be found. They had no prior relationship or even knowing of each other's existence. It was stated that prosecutors stated that he just felt like committing a murder or an attempted murder. Um, so this Richard requested for clemency and stated, quote, I am a character caught up in the most hellish of nightmares, a man convicted and imprisoned for a crime he did not commit, end quote. His appeals were based off flawed forensic evidence as investigators obtained photographs and dental impressions of him and compared it to the bite mark found on Sally's leg and the fact that the handlebar was not in his possession after a certain amount of time. So, bite mark evidence is trash. Right. Because it wasn't even his tooth. That, like, was a specific type of... It was, like, a the, the pointy tooth mm-hmm. that bit into her that really left an impression. And it was really evident that it was the other Richards, but they made it work for this Richard just to get a conviction. Please stop doing that, guys. <laughs> I know. Just, just like... Find real evidence. Yeah. Don't manipulate it. Mm-hmm. So, where is Richard Masek in all of this? You may be asking yourself. I'm definitely wondering if he's running around biting people. <laughs> yes. Um. So, while well, he was traced back to San Bernardino, California, and was officially arrested on December 5th, 1975, for the rape of Paula Atkins, Cuppet, and had a $175,000 bond set. And surprisingly enough, Richard signed a full confession for both of the Wisconsin attacks. Okay. In April 1976, Richard was institutionalized at the Wisconsin Central State Hospital for an infinite amount of terms under Wisconsin state sex deviate statute. Uh, six months into being committed, Illinois wanted to take their turn with him. They charged him with attempted murder with a 50 to 70 year term. Richard ple- pleaded guilty to Paula's murder uh, and Judge Robert Galmar Gul- sentenced him to a life term. He was then sentenced to 30 years for the rape of Sharon along with crimes in Illinois that totaled to, total to 200 to 400 years in prison in 1980. Wow. They were not playing around. He was transported to Dodge Correctional Institution to serve his sentence, and this coward having only served seven years on March 2nd, 1987 at 3.30 a.m., was found by prison staff members uh, hanging from uh, his cell. He had hung himself with... Of course he did. Yep. With uh, shoestrings from the air vent. Uh, when prison authorities had to notify Richard's family of his death, it provided to be it proved to be difficult as there was really nobody to alert. There was no next of kin. Wow. 
So ultimately, Richard Masek was a sick fuck. Yeah. Um, who was sentenced to justice by the state of Illinois and Wisconsin. These cases did not go unsolved. A man wrongfully convicted was freed, even if it was in the basis of parole, which made me really upset that he was only released because they just paroled him out. It wasn't like, all right, we pinned it on you. This didn't happen because of you. He was just paroled. That's ridiculous. And this man was held accountable for his actions, which was good. Mm-hmm. So this episode is ultimately dedicated to the victims and survivors, Paula Atkins Cuppet, Sharon Kaleski, no, sorry, Kaleski, Sally Candle, Nancy and Lisa Lossman, and of course the man that lost 20 years in the prison system who was wrongfully convicted. And lastly, if you are interested in more details on these crimes and the background on Richard Masek, um, you can check out My Life Among the Serial Killers by Dr. Helen Morrison. Um, this book covers the lives of 10 serial killers and has incredible information on all of them. It's not all Wisconsin-based, um, and I'm not plugging them for sponsorship or anything like that. It's just a really good book. Okay. Um, and Dr. Morrison did multiple interviews with Richard and even put him under hypnosis that really opened up a new perspective on all of his crimes. And you can find this on Amazon, and I have the link in the show notes. Awesome. Great job. Thank you. Now you have nightmares about people biting me. Yes. So that was the story of Richard Masek, a.k.a. the Mad Biter. Please don't bite people. Yeah, don't. Nobody wants to be bitten. Or eat panties. Or eat panties. Or peep into other people's windows. Yeah, can you imagine just walking around looking in people's windows? Well, that happened to me when I was a teenager. Um, but that was like an ex-boyfriend that I knew that was creepy. But I'd seen him like peering <laughs> into my window. And what did you do? Well, my mom seen it and she was very upset. So you don't really fuck with a, a Latin woman. Right. So I didn't have to deal with that. But I mean, that enough weirded me out. <laughs> I had somebody stalking me that was c- breaking in my house and stealing my panties every night. Oh, my God. Where they, did like, you find these people? They, like, cut the screen. Like, I would sleep with the window open because it was hot. And right. They cut the screen and came in. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. Were you ever in the house? Yeah, I was in the house sleeping. Oh, you were in the house sleeping. Oh, my mm-hmm. God. And this is on why I have insomnia. <laughs> yeah, I would, too. <laughs> I would, I don't know what I would do. I would take, like... My ex-boyfriend caught him. He didn't catch him, but he caught the guy leaving. Like, he had been in the house when I was gone. Mm -hmm. And he pulled into the driveway, and he saw the man... Oh, my God. ...walking out of, like, the enclosed porch in the Mm -hmm. back of the house. And he chased him. Yeah. But he couldn't find him. But he, like, got a description of the guy. Oh, my God. And... Is this somebody you knew? I don't know. Oh, my God. We never found out. Oh, my God. Yeah. So all of a sudden you have to replace all your panties. Yeah. Yeah, that's terrible. It's like I would take my clothes off at night and you take the panties I'd been wearing oh, that day. Oh, I don't get that. <laughs> I don't get that. What is appealing? Sometimes of- he left a t-shirt behind. So like an exchange? An exchange. So your panties for his nasty t-shirt? Yes. Gross, dude. Mm-hmm. I'm over it. Yeah, disgusting. <laughs> it was horrible. Well, we love you, even if you hate us. <laughs> <laughs> we love our haters yeah. because you get us so much publicity. <laughs> <laughs> but seriously, we love you. We do. Bye. Bye.
All the Sins of Wisconsin was written, recorded, edited, and produced by Fallon and Mims. Thank you so much to all of our listeners, supporters, friends, and family that continually allow us to do what we love. If you love our show as much as we love you, please give us a glowing rating and review. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram to see what we are up to and email us your sinner tales at allthesinsofwi at gmail.com. Episodes of All the Sins of Wisconsin are available for free wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't Don't forget, forget, we we love love you. you.